The Rigger Gambling Feed is back every Monday. Join myself, Joe House, Raheem Palmer, and John Dushepsi for East Coast Bias. Sunday's action recap and our favorite bets for Monday Night Football. Then on Tuesday, we got the Roster Diamond Show where I'll break down everything you need to know in the betting world. Plus, the East Coast Bias Boys will be back on Thursday to help you get your betting card sorted ahead of all the NFL action. And then on Fridays, it's me back with Warren Sharp, deep diving into the analytics. So be sure to subscribe on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. There's no better feeling than a personal win, and the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Ringer NFL. Just go to Indeed.com slash Ringer NFL right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply need to hire you need indeed hello and welcome to dual threat super bowl edition i'm nora princiati and i am a gainfully employed steven ruiz <laughs> he's back he's here to stay we are coming to you not live um, but we are coming to you from a radio booth above a confetti-covered field, red and gold confetti here at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas, where the Chiefs have won Super Bowl 58 in overtime, 25 to 22. Steven, where do you want to start with this game? I think we have to start with the Chiefs' defense. I feel like that's what won them this game. I think Spagnolo's game plan was as good as everyone expected to be. I think they took away all of the things that the 49ers have done well on offense this year. They p- made them play left-handed, so to speak. They had to play from the gun. They had to drop back and pass. It didn't work, and that's why they won this game, because their offense was not good. I mean, I saw somebody posting online after this game that that to get here and to win this game, Kansas City's playoff opponents were the top four teams in the NFL in offensive DVOA this season. And they held them ultimately to 15.8 points per game. There's a reason why you and I are are down in, I would say the locker room, but uh, what's really a series of random tents (laughs) filled with football players after the game. And you're still hearing this Chiefs team just shout out Steve Spagnuolo, just shout in Spags we trust. And that's, you know, that's offensive and defensive players alike, just because that's really become the identity of this team. And, and, you know, when we talk about sort of defeating an offense, this Shanahan offense is sort of like the final boss right, of, right. of the NFL. And I know you were going around to some of the Chiefs defensive players and, and asking them about what they did in the game plan and how they managed to shut down Purdy and the rest of the 49ers. What did you learn? Yeah, when you look at their blitz rate, they I think they blitzed on half of the snaps. And... Usually when you blitz a quarterback, it's all about like the pass game, defeating the pass game. 
But I asked them, were you guys blitzing because of the run game, which I thought they were doing. They were doing a lot of run blitzes, quote unquote, on early downs. It wasn't like, oh, it's third and long and we want to get after the quarterback. It was, we want to stop this run game. I asked Lucharius Sneed if they would have had this blitz-heavy plan had they played another offense that wasn't so built around the run. And he said, no. He said, we knew they were going to run the ball. We wanted Brock to throw the ball. And that's what happened. And then Nick Bolton said something similar, not at the Brock Purdy part, but he said that they, they were selling out against the run and that's why they were blitzing. That's what it looked like from the booth. And it, it, was a, it was a smart plan. And the 49ers weren't able to deter them from blitzing. Brock Purdy was one for five for 19 yards on throws over 20 air yards. And the only way to get a team to stop blitzing is to burn them for a big play. And that never really happened. He was... 19 yards on throws of over 20 right. yards. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. You got to take it What's up with next year. What's going on here? Yeah. Stat keepers. Um, so they did. It's really interesting to hear how they did that in part to shut down the run. But they did get some of those unblocked pressures in really critical right. moments that, you know, led to six plus points of swing in this game, right? Like Trent McDuffie comes unblocked on third and five. That play forces the field goal at the end of regulation. Then third and four in overtime, Chris Jones unblocked, gets to Purdy. That forces the field goal in overtime. I mean, again, like you're talking about some of these, these critical plays, the plays that end up winning and losing a Super Bowl. It, it, it's pretty gutsy yeah. by Spags. Third down and three. Call, call cover zero. That That's crazy. I need to run to the numbers, but I doubt any other defense is calling a blitz in that situation. And Justin Reed, when he was asked about it, he was like, that's what we do. And that is what they do. It is what they do. But at the same time, I mean, this was the fourth blitz heaviest game plan that Spags has coordinated as the Chiefs defensive coordinator. And yes, part of that has to do with Brock Purdy's specific limitations, how they wanted to attack this 49ers offense, how they wanted to attack him as a quarterback. But not everyone has the guts. No. Right? Like, that's a that's a smart game plan. And to some degree, like, you know, if we want to throw around, is that, quote-unquote, disrespectful of the opposing quarterback? There's probably some some degree of, who was it? Was it Sneed who said to you we wanted him to throw yeah, the ball? It but it's also just a thing where, like, you live and die by that sort of game plan as a defensive coordinator. And... You know, in these big moments, you sort of, it's fun to watch the teams and the coaches and the players who believe in what they do and and want to roll the dice. So it's cool to see that element of the game plan play out for Kansas City. Did you think that there was anything in particular for the 49ers who came out swinging? I, mean, I think they had, you know, 150 yards of offense in the first quarter, particularly when they were in that opening game script, they were picking up chunk yardage then the Chiefs defense seemed to find their rhythm. There is always that element of getting off of the opening script in a Shanahan offense. Was there anything you noticed about how they ended up quieting down? Uh, not really. I just think, I think they missed some opportunities. I think uh, in the past game, especially Brock Purdy missed a couple of open throws, I would say. Ball placement wasn't great on a couple of throws. I thought the, the one thing he did really well was avoid sacks. He took one sack, and you talked about the, the unblocked pressure. He faced nine unblocked pressure, season high for the Chiefs, and he only took one sack. I think that was the best contribution from him to the 49ers offense, but I do think he left a little bit of meat on the bone. And then obviously the mistakes, I, I, I do wonder how we're, we're 
talking about this game plan if the 49ers don't have those pre-snap penalties that kill their second drive, I think. If they don't have the fumble in the red zone by McCaffrey to end the first drive. Because like you said, they were just eating up yardage. I think the McCaffrey fumble was the first play of the game where it wasn't positive EPA. Right. Uh, but no, I, I really think Kyle stuck with the game plan. I think he... I thought he called a decent game. I, I see some complaints about him not running the ball enough on Twitter, but I thought he stuck with the run game, especially when you consider what I said about them run blitzing. Right. They were really selling out against the run. They were leaving their corners on islands. This was, I, like, you look at Purdy's stat line and you say, that was a pretty decent performance by him. But you have to add in the context that the, 40, or the Chiefs were willing to live with that. They were willing to give up, you know, a five-yard pass and maybe five yards after the catch because... They just wanted a, a boom play. They right. wanted to make it a boom or bust game. They never got that boom, and it still worked because these players, there are a lot of players, like unsung heroes, like Mike Pinnell had a huge game. Sure. And he hasn't played a lot of football this year. Uh, Leo Chanel, one of the best performances Dude. throughout the whole game. It was, it was really fun to watch this defense work all year, but this game was like a culmination of everything they do. It was like a caricature of their defense. But I mean, this game was... This is a weird football game. Weird. Really entertaining. Dramatic to the very end. A lot of different angles to it. And some really, really cool plays by, you know, by Mahomes, by Debo Samuel. Kyle Shanahan's calling up, dialing up a double pass trick play. Like some of the sort of the tentpole figures who we talk to death when we do narrative stuff throughout the week and blah, 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 blah. There's some really juicy stuff there from those guys. At the same time, there is a point, third, fourth quarter of this game, where it's like, hmm, MVP candidates. Juwan Jennings, Leo Chanel. Chris Conley. Chris Conley. <laughs> like, this isn't so, this is a bizarre game for a while where, you know, the, the sort of the heavyweight titans who lead the broadcast intros didn't feel like the, the players that the game was hinging on quite right. so much. Now, I do think that we should talk about Mahomes because when the game came came down to it, he just sort of took over. And he continues to have this knack where he will find just enough. He will run just fast enough. He will run just far enough to pick up, up a first down. And he's just so unstoppable in that sort of casual way where when, you know, you bring up sort of how good of a job did Kyle Shanahan do at, at calling this game? And they did have, you know, they had the fumble, they had the pre-snap penalties. Uh, at the same time, they just have so much less room for error because there's a point in this game where, you know, after halftime, the Chiefs go on that sequence where Mahomes throws the pick. Then they're driving and there's a bad spot where Kelsey probably picked up a, a first down but it ends up being second and one, third and one, and then Andy Reid burns a timeout and then ultimately makes the the pretty iffy decision to punt on, you know, fourth and, and it was not like even. Six, yeah, it was like point six yards, which goes back to their unwillingness to, to sneak it with Patrick Mahomes because he's been injured on that play in the past. And... It just feels like, oh my God, is everything, like everything's kind of going yeah, wrong yeah. for them. And they had the drops and they can withstand that. Whereas the 49ers, you know, they had the turnover, they had the issues of of their own. 
But at the same time, there's moments in this game, right? Where like Kyle Shanahan sort of conquers the fourth down demons. He goes for it on fourth and three um, with the Kittle play that set up the Jennings touchdown where they go up 16 to 13. Again, like some of the trickeration and, and the way that he designs this offense, it's, it's just like they can do so much. But if you give an inch, this Chiefs team is just going to take a mile and it feels like they can get away with the mistakes and still have enough when even the other best teams in the league just just can't quite do that. And they can withstand what I thought was a bad game plan by Andy Reid. I really thought Kyle, like in terms of offensive play calling only, I thought he outcoached Andy Reid by a wide margin, especially in the first half. I just thought they were getting too cute. And I had that rant like in November about the dumb plays. And like it showed up again, and it showed up so many times this season. You like with this offense, yes, Patrick Mahomes gives you a wider margin for error, but the pieces around him kind of negate that margin for error that he provides, and it just puts so much on him. And we saw in this game, he was pressured a lot, uh, and the offense didn't really start moving the ball until he started running the, the ball. In the right. second half, he had seven, six rushes for 59 yards, 5.7 EPA. That's 0.95 EPA per run. Basically, his scrambles accounted for an extra touchdown is what that means. And really, when they started letting him cook, letting him go tempo, that's when the offense started moving the ball. It wasn't Andy Reid's play calling, in my opinion. Even like one of the key third downs where the 49ers sent an all-out pressure, he changes the play, hits, I think, Pacheco in the flat, a running back in the flat, moves the chains. That was Mahomes. He changed the play. That wasn't even an Andy Reid play call. Like, this was Mahomes' Super Bowl from the offensive perspective. This was Spag's Super Bowl from the defense perspective. I really think Andy Reid, like, this could have been a a way worse game for him, perception-wise. I mean, right. If they don't come out on top of this, probably one of the lasting images of the Super Bowl is Travis Kelsey kind of, like, knocking him over (laughs) on the sideline, getting in in his face. Kelsey had a lot more production in the second half um, after he had one catch for for one yard in the first half. Andy Reid said that they— they tried to get him going on on some combination routes and and tried to get him off of Fred Warner a little bit who'd who'd had good coverage yeah, on him yeah. in the in the first half. Um so I think they did make some adjustments there, but there's certainly a world in which if this game goes the other way, we're talking about some of the limitations in how Reed coached this game. Um I do want, just because it's so funny. I I have to pose a question to you, which is what if I told you, what if I just read you this tweet at the beginning of the football season and just asked you to make sense of it? And I said, at Barack Obama, congrats to the Kansas City Chiefs, MVP Patrick Mahomes, Coach Reed, Travis Kelsey, Chris Jones, and me, Cole Hardman. I, I, I don't know. I would have been, Aaron Rodgers did something crazy. How did this happen? Because he was a jet. <laughs> In September. <laughs> Which somebody reminded him of um, after the game and the press conferences. And I think he said something along the lines of like, oh, please don't remind me. <laughs> Good <laughs> program they got going hadn't on. hadn't been depressing there. enough for Jets fans. Michael Hardman had to just rub it in a little bit. Um, you know, look, uh, it's very fun to have this be where this this game ended up, right? With Michael Hardman getting to be the hero and making the game-winning play and, and all of that. Obviously, that does not negate the struggles of the Chiefs wide receiver room throughout the year. Um, but it, it's a funny full circle moment. It does make it interesting to think about where they go from here, right? Because Mahomes is in this place after his, his third Super Bowl and four trips. 
He's got 15 postseason wins at this point. Joe Montana got to 16. Brady had 35. So obviously he's got a long way to go there. But, you know, he's 28 years old. He's got plenty of time. Where it's about how many and how do they get the next one? And, you know, Travis Kelsey didn't make any any big statements after the game, but he did say, I'm closer to the end than than the beginning. Did he uh, endorse Biden? <laughs> He did, did not happen? make any political Damn, statements. Damn, I lost my bet. Um, can you imagine? But there's some work to do for this team in, in figuring out what their receiver core is going to look like going forward, how they're going to better support Mahomes than they did this season. Um, because obviously it got, it got tenuous. And the development of Rishi Rice is a big part of that. I mean, I thought he was really interesting to talk to after the game, just because he was talking about all of these points throughout the season where, you know, he said at his first training camp practice, he was running up and down the field and he, he puked because it was just a brutal practice. And that was a welcome to the NFL moment. And then he, he scored a touchdown in that, the season opening lions game. Yeah. yeah. I think, yeah. Yeah, And then that was sort of another one where he felt like, okay, I can actually be involved in this offense and, and was just sort of going through the season and pinpointing moments of development. Yeah. That's only going to continue, but it it seems like they're going to have to find some other options. And I, I feel like you can't be like, oh, okay, we hit on this pick, this day two pick, and be like, okay, we're set there. I don't think they can they can make the same mistake they made last offseason. They come off the Super Bowl win after trading Tyreek Hill, and then I don't know if that gave them the confidence to go into this season with a underwhelming receiver room. But I, I think they still need to work on it because there were problems throughout this season. And the, the 49ers were able to play a ton of man coverage. And I think that's a direct result of you not having great personnel in the receiver room. Right. Well, and, and which is, I think part of that is why you saw Mahomes. Like those are the situations when Mahomes, especially as a game goes on, you see him more and more go like, screw it. I'm just taking this myself. I'm right. just going to tuck and run and I'm taking this ball. And that's great. And it's an amazing quality of his. And it's amazing that he can, do that and it probably just won them won them a Super Bowl in a lot of ways. Um, you know, there were multiple moments in this game where we ended up talking about the fact that this team doesn't run quarterback sneaks right. because they just think it's a bad idea because they want to preserve him. He got injured on one in what, 2018? Yeah. Is that when that was? I think it was 2019. Um, that sounds right to me. You have to make decisions about that in terms of quarterback longevity and, and keeping somebody like that healthy. So the Eagles are just like, we don't care. Fuck it. <laughs> We're just going to do it. Some of us are play. exempt from this conversation, <laughs> I suppose. But um, the Eagles famously invested in the quarterback sneak. So like, let's do the quarterback sneak and make it even more violent. Let's smush him. <laughs> what did Jason Kelsey say about that? Like I scream on every, <laughs> it was like every time they ran the tush push. No wonder why he like, wants to retire. How many years yell. did the tush push take off of Kelsey's career? Many, several, 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 several. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. There's no better feeling than a personal win, and the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash RingerNFL. Just go to Indeed.com slash RingerNFL right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by Modelo. What does a true fan look like? It's cheering the loudest. It's never missing a game no matter what. And for that, you deserve an ice cold reward because you are a fighter and Modelo is your reward. Modelo, the mark of a fighter. Shop delivery or pickup options near you at ordermodelo.com. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. Today's Ringer NFL recap show is presented by State Farm. From the way you cook up your game day sloppy joes to your favorite spot in the stadium, you personalize your life down to the last details. That's why the State Farm Personal Price Plan gives you the option to personalize your policy, resulting in an affordable price just for you. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Kyle Shanahan. Oh, come on. This poor man. I feel so bad for him. That's like, I feel so bad for a lot of 49ers. Christian McCaffrey played his ass off, and he was hurting. Yeah. Every time he got up, he was grimacing, and there's been a knee issue all season long. Uh, Brandon Ayu didn't get the ball a lot in this game, and he was still blocking his ass off on the perimeter every snap, every run snap. Use Debo, check. watching yeah, Use check, too. Watching Debo in person was insane. He was taking huge hits, and it just didn't bother him. Uh, we've talked a lot about Brock Purdy on this podcast, obviously. But, like, this team is just so fun and so enjoyable, and they have these players that are so rare across the league. It's kind of sad to see that they're not going to be rewarded for this game. And same goes to Kyle, because he orchestrated this offense. He designed this offense. And I really don't want him to go down in history as, like, the guy who never won, because I know how those guys are treated, no matter what they do in terms of, like, play calling and stuff like that. And I think that's where he's headed right now. I saw a tweet. I don't know who sent it, but it was, like, what – is Kyle Shanahan's legacy, and it was a picture of Jeff Fisher. And no, we can't do that. I refuse. The thing that gives me hope is that, you know, even Andy Reid talking about, I think someone asked him at the post game how he compared Super Bowl wins and sort of what, if it felt different now than it did with his first. And he said something totally offhand, but he said, well, I mean, the first one was great because it took me a million years to get there. And there are so many similarities between those two guys where Andy Reid, when he was still looked at as, you know, kind of a choker, this guy who couldn't manage the clock, who's always going to, you know, screw up in a big moment who you couldn't trust, was also this offensive mastermind, someone whose contributions to the league were really underrated. And, you know, people who paid paid close attention and really cared about scheme and really cared about coaching trees would say, you know, Andy Reid, you, Andy Reid is underrated. No one understands how much Andy Reid has given to the game of football. Now, obviously he doesn't have to answer any of those questions. Peyton Manning kind of dealt with the same thing as a player, but it's the same situation. Like until you win, it right. doesn't matter what you do. So I, I, I at least like to have, I feel, I have faith that, that Shanahan is so good that he will get there. It's just that the ways in which he's fallen short so far have been so devastating. I mean, this one, they led by 10 points again. This was probably the gentlest yeah, of this the was, three. He had an 88% win probability. 
uh, Pat, Pat Super Bowl, 99%. Last Chief Super Bowl, 97%. So this one was easy. This one's right. easy to swallow. <laughs> and yet somehow, I don't think, looking at his face after the game, I don't think it goes down. Looking at his face um, before the game. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we did say like, even when they were doing, doing the introductions and doing the anthem, he takes the hat off and I'm sure the guy just had hat hair. And, you know, those of us in, in glass houses who've been not getting enough sleep in Los Angeles for Los Angeles, Las Vegas for a week plus at this point should not throw stones. But we did look at each other for a second and go like, Ooh, Kyle's looking a little mad scientist. I don't think he's been getting a lot of sleep this week. He looked like he touched one of those like static balls. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and, his, <laughs> and his hair was coming out at all different angles. Um, but I, I do want to ask one question. What changed with Andy Reid? Nothing really changed. He got Patrick Mahomes. Right. So that's my advice to Kyle Shannon. Go find your Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> Thank you. You heard it here first. <laughs> you heard it here first. Today's Ringer NFL recap show was presented by State Farm. What do your podcast history and fantasy team have in common? They're a reflection of you. And that's what the State Farm Personal Price Plan has in common too. It gives you options to help you personalize your coverage so that you can protect what you care about most at an affordable price just for you. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices vary by state, options selected by customer, availability, and eligibility may vary. Anything that we should, what are, what are we missing here? I mean, one thing that I was interested in especially early when the 49ers were in, in a little bit more control, they did. I want to give credit to that defense because they came out swinging and they were flying around in a way that made me, I was having questions about were we sort of underrating them based on recent performance. And I think it's a styles makes fights type of thing. Like this is an offense that can't, not can't, but isn't built to take advantage of the weaknesses of the 49ers defense. Like, if you have a good wide receiver, you can match up against Thomas. You can exploit that matchup. If you have a good run game, like the, the Chiefs aren't known for their run game. They're known for RPOs and stuff. Like if you load the box, we're going to flip it out to Rice and he's going to take it for eight yards. They had nothing in the run game. They had nothing in the pass game for the most part until Mahomes started scrambling. And I really think the Drake Greenlaw injury, which was just bizarre, like he's coming off the field and pops his eight, uh, Achilles I thought that had a big impact on this game because you saw them start to hunt the matchup. I forget who the uh, replacement was. It was a rookie, a special teamers, uh, special teams player, but they hunted that matchup all throughout the second half and they had a lot of success doing it. Right. I mean, Mahomes still finished as, as the leading rusher and it did, I think, change particularly, you know, I, I didn't think the inside runs were super effective throughout the game, but they had a little bit more variety and a little bit more success doing that later, particularly after the the green laundry, which as you said, it's just one of the strangest things that I've ever seen where all the guys, I mean, I didn't even, I didn't quite, I didn't know what happened when it happened. He wasn't, yeah, he wasn't in on the play. And when you see a player down, you're like, oh, that's a guy that was on the field and he got hurt. And then the carts coming out and then all of a sudden, you know, a few minutes after, they announce it and you could kind of see it in the replay because an Achilles injury is often one that you can diagnose immediately, but they announce it in the press box and it's like Dre Greenlaw Achilles. And it's just like, I mean the poor guy, but also just the strangest thing that definitely had an impact in how that defense was able to operate and what Kansas city was able to exploit. But I did think that especially, especially early, the 49ers were flying around 
the Joe Tooney absence, I thought, showed up. Yeah, that's Nick a good Allegretti point. was was having trouble out there. The 49ers were winning in the trenches on both sides of the football, and they were implementing their style. And, you know, a lot of things change, right? Like the injury changes it. Just at a certain point, Kansas City does start to adjust. Mahomes started to just sort of take over and say, like, you know what, if this is what I'm if this is what you're giving me, then then I'm gonna respond to that. But oh man, they they it does feel like they were really close. Yeah. I thought Steve Wilkes called a good game on third down. He was really mixing stuff up. From the sideline. From the sideline. He finally moved down from the booth. <laughs> he was not scared to compete. Speaking of scared to compete, come on, Spags. Talk after the game. He didn't come to any <laughs> press conference. Didn't scared to do compete. an interview. What would you have asked him? I thought you said that this Brock Purdy guy was the real deal. Why did you, why LeJerry Sneed says that that's, that wasn't the case. I don't know. Who's lying? Uh, no, uh, I would have asked, they did some interesting stuff on defense. Like they busted out the six, one front that we right. saw from the Patriots against the Rams. Like these types of offenses. I've seen that a lot. I asked Justin Reed about it. He said they hadn't done that before. And that's just a Spags thing. And they had Justin Reed at Mike linebacker in those formations, right. which is kind of crazy. Um, but yeah, the defense like was flying. It was their type of game. I like that you said that. Third and long, that's what they want to be in so they can get those pass rushers after the quarterback. They were getting pressure. They did their job. Uh, they were maybe the second best unit in this game. Yeah. I think that, that I mean, Chase Young, right? Had like two, had a sack and another um, couple TFLs, like some, some key plays. Javon Most- Kinlaw, the... Offseason pickup had a big play. Bosa was getting a lot of pressure. They really, they had a good game plan. They executed it really well. It just becomes a testament to how easy it is for it not to be enough against this Chiefs team. And the fact that this is probably one of the, I mean, do you think that this is the worst Chiefs team of the Mahomes era? That's so hard to say because the defense is so good. This is the best right. defense. It's the most balanced It's, it's very apples and oranges. I really think they like spread their... I don't even know how to say this. Their powers around this time. Like, this is the most balanced team, like I said. But the, obviously, the offense wasn't as good as it's been. But the run game, like, I know the stats aren't great, but it was a tough run game all year. And that's, I think, helped them a lot. And then Patrick Mahomes raised his game again. Uh, the scrambling this year was so key. I, we talked about them facing man coverage a lot. Scrambling kills man coverage. And we saw it a couple times. The uh, 49ers tried to play two-man with two safeties deep. When you do that, all eyes are on the receivers. No one's there to spy the quarterback, and he just runs up the middle for like 10 yards. After the game, Reed was like, I don't know why nobody spies him. He does this every week, and nobody puts a spy on him. And it's because he runs like 12 miles per hour. And he looks goofy he runs like doing he has it. To poop. <laughs> he runs like Lamar going to the locker room right. in that one game. His 40 time is four point minus point one, whatever the guy chasing him is. Like, that's what he is. <laughs> right. And it's it's amazing to watch. It's amazing to watch in person. Speaking right? of miles per hour, uh, Travis Kelsey hitting what? 19? 19.8. 19.8. Kill a Trav. Fastest time in seven years. Taylor Swift. Wow. Wow. He's got it in his heart. That's He's really it feeling it. Did you say, uh, see uh, Nate Burleson after the game? He said, that's the power of a uh, supportive woman. Wow. Yeah. And then someone absolutely. was like, what about, the last two? what about the last two Super Bowls? He didn't have a supportive <laughs> woman when they won those? Also, like, 
<laughs> 19 miles per hour. 19.8 is very, very fast for 34-year-old Travis Kelsey. Yeah. <laughs> Plenty of, but that happens on a football field with, with um, some degree of regularity. The thing that I was just dying to, to, if I could have had a fly on the wall in the Chiefs, friends and family, Taylor, Kelsey, sweet, at any point, it would have been when someone had to explain the overtime rules. Yeah, because we didn't know them. We were doing it. We were like, okay, so, and then do you want the ball? Do you, would you rather defer? Which, do you agree with, with Kyle Shanahan's decision? Yeah, yeah. I think that's the smarter move because I think you want the first crack when it gets to sudden death. Right. I don't know if that's, like, if the numbers support that, and we've never seen this play out before. We've never seen a team well, score touchdown. I don't touchdown. think we have numbers. Yeah, so I don't know what the answer is, but I would do that just to get the first crack when you, when it gets sudden. You yeah. want the first because you you trade possessions. Right. And if someone hasn't won, then the first possession becomes sudden death if you kick a field goal. Right, yeah. So... That's the you're not saying I want the ball on the first possession effectively. You're really doing it because you're saying I want the ball on the third possession. I want the first sudden death possession. The other thing that I think is is sort of going undiscussed in that decision, which honestly I didn't expect to become. I didn't think that was controversial, but Shanahan was getting some flack for it post game, and it came up in the press conference. And then somebody asked Andy Reid how he would have handled that. So it seemed like it became a thing. The thing that I I think is going underrated or, or under discussed is that, you know, both defenses were really tired towards the end of the game. The 49ers defense had just been on the field and I thought getting them off, getting them a breather and keeping the chiefs defense on the field because they were gassed. Yeah. And the way that the 49ers managed to even score on that opening drive was almost primarily because they just were beaten down at that point. They had numbers to the runs. Like, they had numbers to the ball. They were there, but, but Christian they were just, getting, just fell forward. getting the yeah. push because that defensive line was just exhausted. So I thought it was actually a, a smart decision to do that. One, because of what would have happened if it had gotten to a third possession, but also because of that factor and it just kept a, a tired defense on the field, which look like it's hard to not think back to that being such a factor in... The the Patriots Falcons that's, Super Bowl. Yeah, that's what lost them the game. Right. They played ninety snaps of like man coverage, and right. by the overtime they were done. But Nick, Nick Bolton mentioned that after the game, and he kind of said they were offended by it. He was like, "Oh, really?" But then he mentioned we were tired, and it makes sense to keep us on the field. Kyle Shanahan being in both of the, there have only been two Super Bowls that have gone to overtime. Being on the losing end of both of those is is that's a tough that's a tough way to go out. I don't think he's going to win a Super Bowl. I, I'm not like a, a superstitious person, but like at this point, I think he's just cursed. The football gods just hate him or something. And I don't know why you made a deal with the devil or something. He's like, yes, you can bring Brock Purdy to the Super Bowl, but you're not going to win. He needs to get Taylor Swift on his team. He's like Sisyphus pushing the boulder up the hill, but instead of a boulder, it's just play action design. Just play. <laughs> <laughs> he's going to be designing play action pass plays for the next 50 years. Nothing to show for it. Oh gosh, as soon as you said that there were like screams that came from inside the inside further down in the stadium and that seems emblematic. Anything else? How'd you feel about Usher? I thought he was good. Me too. I, I didn't think he uh performed the songs long enough. I would have liked to hear It took a while for them to set up. It did. It Usually did. the halftime shows start, you know, 
a little bit, a little bit of a, a, a more the roller start time. How do you feel about the uh, roller skates? I, that was when I thought it it really yeah. kicked into a higher gear. I was like, yeah, good, bit. good bit. Love roller skates. What are you going to remember? Anything you're going to remember Super Bowl 58 by that we haven't touched on yet? I think it's the Spags love, and that goes throughout the week. Like this has just been Spags's victory lap, I guess. It's the fourth time he's won a ring, most of any coordinator. Uh, that's what I'm going to remember. In Spags, we trust. In Spags, we trust. Justin Reed was asked after the game. He's like, someone asked, like, are you happy with your decision to come here two years ago? Of course. And he was like, yeah, I love Kansas City. <laughs> and the second thing he said was, wasn't like, I love Andy Reid. I love Pat playing with Patrick Mahomes. I love my teammates. It was, and I love Spags. What if he'd said no? <laughs> yeah. He said, no, this, is, <laughs> this sucks. Got to play in February. Rather be on a beach. But it really, no, it's a fitting... It's fitting that this one really does feel like it was for Spags. It does feel like that the way that the team just sort of came together around him is really interesting. And I think to your point, my head goes very quickly to this is the weakest team of the Mahomes era, just because this is a, a team and a budding dynasty that is defined by their offense and their quarterback. And it's definitely the weakest offense. Yeah, without a doubt. But I, I, I want to interrogate I'm interrogating that assumption a little bit more just because this was such a, a great defense. It went through the best offenses in the NFL in order to get here. And it performed against every single one of them. That's a, those are different challenges, right? Like the bills and Josh Allen is a very different beast than the lions. And Jared Goff is a very different. I'm thinking about the regular season, but Miami, Miami, Lamar, Lamar, <laughs> is a very different beast than Brock Purdy and, and this 49ers team. Yeah. It reminds me of the 2018 Pats team where on offense, it didn't look great, but they figured it out with Brady. Uh, and then they ran through the three best offenses in the NFL and held them to, I, I forget what the average was, but it was the Chargers, the Chiefs, and then the Rams, and they shut them all out. Not right. shut them out, but like shut them down. And there's a lot of, I mean, look, there was a fair bit of that Rams Super Bowl, that Patriots-Rams right, Super yeah. Bowl in this game. There were a lot of different different similarities. I, like my brain goes very quickly to the Brady comps with Mahomes and, and just sort of what it feels like in terms mm -hmm. of he will find a way. And if they, you know, if they are not, out, if they are not mathematically eliminated right. from playoff contention, if the game is not over and you have won it, there's just always a feeling that he's going to find a way. I thought it was really interesting. This is the only team in my memory covering Super Bowls who did not try to play the underdog, which is sort of funny because they were. And maybe that's why it happened. But they know, did last year for sure. Right. And it, I mean, the Patriots did it all the time. They did the Patriots did it against Nick Foles and the Eagles. <laughs> like it, it was just an absurd thing, but they were, they were absolutely adamant that they were being counted out and nobody thought that they were good. Right. And you know, Brady would say, everybody thinks we suck. It's like, nobody thinks you suck. They were favored by five points You're in that Tom game. Brady. <laughs> but there were reports that Travis Kelsey gave a, a speech. Reed confirmed last it after night. the game. Yeah, well, and and it's sort of funny, and I think this probably has something to do with um, my personal favorite pop star and and where we are in in the media right now. I, Andy Reed said that 
Travis Kelsey, Mahomes, and Chris Jones gave a speech last night. Together? I guess together or in different parts. Only Travis ended up getting the reporting that he had brought many of his teammates to tears and that it was very deeply emotional. Um, what Travis said that he talked about and what some of, uh, like, Rice talked about what he heard in, in that room. And he just said, we're not underdogs. We have a formula to win and we're going to win. And I, I just, in some ways, that should be so... Uh, yeah, sure. Of course he said that. Of course he thinks he's going to win the game. Like he's got Patrick Mahomes as a quarterback. That is truly rare. That is a rare thing. Right. And I'm interested in it just because I think it's refreshing, but I do think that it says something about kind of where this, this team has gotten. And it seems like they've been talking about embracing the villain role. This there's been a lot of talk. They've gotten a lot of questions, especially with Mahomes going on the road in the postseason for the first time ever. Uh, but yeah, that's what I want. I don't want to, I don't want Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski like recording a video after being like, you guys counted us out. No, everyone picked you guys to win. <laughs> what are you talking about? And they tried to do it last year. I'm glad they didn't do that bit again. Yeah, no, me too. I, I was, I was genuinely impressed by that. I do think the idea that the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes and his Kermit the Frog ass voice <laughs> are going to be villains is like very silly to me. They were showing him on the uh, the big screen over the loudspeaker and it's very like echoey and it sounded even funnier. He's a sweet kid. Like he's just like a nice young man. <laughs> You're just not, it's not going to work. You, I don't care how many footballs they deflate or, you know, get some, get some spy cameras going. This team is not, and I, I have a hard time seeing them being able to truly embody the villain role. Although I suppose I would like to see them try. And Mahomes is too cool. Like his playing style. It's easy to hate on Brady, like throwing five yard, passes that's easy like you know it worked but nobody wants to watch i don't think casual fans are sitting there like i want to tune in to watch a nice option round by julian edelman no one wants to see that they want to see patrick Mahomes throw the ball like with this his is left so hand disrespectful. it is but hey that was like five years ago gronk was do it cool. again gronk was cool to watch no gronk was very cool to watch and those teams were very cool to watch and bill belichick's defense were very cool to watch but patrick mahomes is just like he makes everything cool well now he's won three super bowls It'll be up to the next however many years to see how many more they get. Um, but this was certainly an exciting one. Congratulations to the Kansas City Chiefs. Congratulations to the San Francisco 49ers for a great season. Really, really entertaining game. Um, really fun getting to talk through the entire season's worth of games with you, Stephen. And, you know, we will be back. But just want to say thanks to everyone for listening for what's been a really, really interesting season, really, really fun season. Lots more to come. Fun week in Las Vegas with the entire Ringer NFL squad. Thank you very much to the absolutely fantastic Chris Sutton for producing this episode on site in this weird room that we've found to work in. Um, thank you, as always, to Arjuna Ramgopal and Connor Nevins for their additional production supervision. And to you for listening. Extra point taken with Sheil and Ben. We'll be back on Tuesday morning. They'll have their thoughts on the game. That'll be really fun. And then it was such a success on Friday that uh, Extra Threat is coming back one more time on Friday. 
I have absolutely no idea what we're going to be doing, but it's going to be really fun. Big news for John Wilkes Booth. <laughs> Big news for John Wilkes Booth. I'm sure I'll get some more shout outs, um, but the four of us will be back together on the feed later this week. So keep an eye out for that as well. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, Vermont, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia, or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side-by-side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. 